Welcome to the Pickup Fantasy Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Luis Prado and Tyler Smith. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back. This is uh, Pickup episode number 13. I'm here with my main dude, Luis LP14, the Pippin Ain't Easy. Uh, we're going to start off this podcast tonight, uh, episode 13, kind of going with a different route this evening, but I want to introduce my friend, Luis. How are you doing, big guy? Hey man, uh, doing good. Uh, just kind of, uh, I guess we'll just jump in right into that first topic. We, I mean, it's national news. It's all over the place. Uh, it happened on Sunday morning. Um, I was traveling and uh, I just, I couldn't even believe what had happened with the Kobe Bryant helicopter crash um, that killed nine people, uh, uh, a couple of young girls or a few young girls and and a couple of parents and uh, the pilot and um but yeah i just i think we should start off with that and just kind of get it out of the way yeah very 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 devastating news um i was sitting on my couch next to my roommate and we, we got a text message from his friend and all it asked and all it said in the text message was hey did kobe really die and i i look at him and i go what is he talking about? Cause I didn't have my phone at, on me at the time. And I was like, does he know someone else named Kobe or is he really talking about Kobe Bryant? And I went and grabbed my phone and my phone was just blowing up left and right with the news. And um, yeah, so many chats that I was in that day talking to different people, but just a really emotional Sunday and, and really all this week it's been for me, I've been holding it deep in my heart. How have you been taking the news? Yeah. I mean, at the beginning, I just, I honestly couldn't believe it. I was thinking, I was like, this has to be misreported in some way, shape or form. I, I, that's the only thing I kept thinking. I was like, this isn't true. It it seems surreal. Um, I, at first, the first thing I could think of, um, I mean, not to get too personal, but I mean, I've lost my father at a young age. And so I know what it feels like to grow up without, that's backbone um, to lean on. And uh, so the first thing that I thought of was um, his four girls that he had um, that had just lost their father. Um, And so I was in disbelief for that reason. So, Yeah, I totally hear where you're coming from on that side. I think the hardest news for me is – it was is that as well is the fact that uh, he just had so much life left in him and he had so many good things going and you could tell just from multiple people talking about it that Kobe was in the happiest place of his life because he had his daughters and he had a big role in their um, athletics and uh, you know just raising four beautiful women and children um, and so it's just heartbreaking to see that um, kind of come to an end for that that family but. Um, hopefully new beginnings start for them and they can heal up in, in multiple ways and blessings and prayers go out to them. Uh, Kobe was certainly a childhood hero of mine. And um, I went through phases of just idolizing Kobe's work ethic, his dedication, being just one of the most disciplined and, you know, strong human beings I've ever met, or, you know, had a pleasure of, uh, you know, watching play basketball and, and he had such a big influence on the game in so many different ways. So yeah, man, just really, really tough news. Yeah. For, for me, now that I got the, now that I said the family thing, um, when it comes just to the basketball part, I, I mean, I've been watching 
the game religiously, the NBA game religiously for well over 20 years. I mean, I've known you for almost 20 years. I think I did the math the other day and it's 19 years and I was watching prior to that. So it's well over 20. Any And to me, all my friendships that I have built, all my strong rooted friendships that I've built, I've built through the game of basketball. I've met all of the guys that are going to be in my wedding um, if, whenever, if that happens, um, I've, I've met them through the game of basketball. And so when I, when I, when I've watched somebody's career be so competitive, so fierce and have his life cut short, I mean, he's a hooper, he's family in one way or another, um, to me and to see a family member essentially to me, um, be cut off so short. I mean, it just, it just hits home real hard. Um, and so, uh, I just, you know, our, my condolences to anybody that was affected, you know, um, his parents, his wife, his daughters, and everybody else that was on that helicopter. Yeah, I know you, I mean, you said it pretty well. It feels like you lost a family member just because, uh, you felt so, uh, connected to Kobe in so many different ways, watching his career from start to finish and just having so many emotions throughout the year, uh, just basically that he provided you and, uh, to see him go away just like that, it, it really truly feels like you lost a family member. So yeah, it's been pretty tough watching, a lot of social media and having people reflect on it because every time you see something new, you just kind of dwell on it and you're just like, man, can't Kobe just come back? Like, it's just an incredibly sad thing. It's the first time I've ever really had someone die that was famous that affected me the way it's affected me. So it's been interesting to navigate that scenario. Yeah, man, it's, it's tough. Um, and, uh, anybody that is a Laker fan, because I'm a Blazers fan, um, I just feel, you know, it hits them even harder. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just, just got to keep pushing forward. Yeah. What, what's your favorite Kobe memory of all time? Do you have any that stand out to you? Well, my least favorite was when he killed the Blazers in Game 7. Um to go to the finals, which I believe the Blazers would have won. Um, but my favorite one was being able to watch that 81 point game. Uh, I remember turning the game on cause I, he was like at 60, like halfway through the third or something crazy like that. I was like, no, mm-hmm. no way. Or, so I switched it to it. And I remember watching every single back bucket after that. And that's, that's my crazy. favorite. Yeah. That's crazy. I remember being in, in high school and, Kobe was playing the Dallas Mavericks and he dropped 63 points through three quarters. And this was on like back to back to back to back nights of previous 50 point games. And he went on this string of games for like, I don't remember if it was like six, seven or eight games where he hit 50 points in a row. And I remember just being like, this fool's on a different level. And when we were in high school, we had this group of friends who would just come over after uh, school and maybe it was before basketball practice and we'd all like make Mac and cheese and we'd play halo, but we'd also have like basketball games on and we would just nerd out about basketball. And this was kind of the time when, uh, you know, Kobe and Shaq had separated and Kobe was just doing his thing in LA and it seemed like he was averaging 30 plus points every season. So yeah, it's so many awesome memories. 
Yeah, I actually remember that stretch too. Um, I was at the YMCA playing basketball. I wasn't old enough to drive. And my mom was about to come pick me up or someone was going to come pick me up. And I remember it happening like as it was happening. And then I went to go pick it up, pick up, or I was in the waiting area at the YMCA and I picked up the Sports Illustrated. And I remember like physically seeing like the box scores that the Sports Illustrated had like put up and like he was on the cover and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I remember all that. That's crazy stuff. But uh, yeah. 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 Those are the good memories. Yeah. Those are the good memories, yeah. So, yeah. R.I.P. Kobe Bean Bryant, man. Love you, love the guy to death. And you know, we're, we're going to kind of roll into the next portion of our podcast. But we felt like it was probably a pretty honorable thing to be able to reflect on Kobe and and just uh, remember that how you know, I'll, I'll, he'll always be a legend and he'll always have a place in in basketball for the rest of time. So, very thankful and lucky to be part of um, his career. And up to this point, I'll never forget that Sunday for the rest of my life. Yeah, for sure, man. Let's, uh, you want to move into some, uh, mm-hmm. more news. Yeah, man, let's start off. So we're going to start off doing some fantasy awards for this year since we're past the halfway season of fantasy. So we have some fantasy awards that we want to kind of throw out for some, some players that are relevant, that are relevant in the fantasy world. Um, so we're going to go off with MVP of the season, most improved player, defensive fantasy player of the year and second half breakouts. So, Pippin, let's start it off. Who's your fantasy MVP this year? Well, I think up to date, and even though he's actually going through a bit of a slump right now, even uh, on the game that's happening as we speak, the uh, Houston Rockets are playing the Blazers, and he's had a string of games, a uh, uh, couple bad games in a row now. But can, you know, collectively, I think it's for me just been James Harden um, for number mm-hmm. one. What about for you? Yeah. It's funny. Uh, someone in our Instagram chat had basically said today, he goes, is Harden burnout? That dude looks trash. <laughs> and I think they're just referring to the fact that he's had a couple bad games in a row. So I think that's pretty funny that that happened this evening. Uh, I actually have my fantasy MVP is Luka Doncic. And even though Luka's not in top five, maybe in fantasy, he's probably borderline, but I have him as my fantasy MVP. It probably could be more borderline, like most improved fantasy player, but I didn't put him at most improved. I put him all the way up at my MVP just because he's been that huge of a standout this year. Yeah. I, I mean, he, I think it, when it comes to him, it's the counting stats that really stick out. And um, some of these other guys I think are, either more efficient or carry you in multiple like defensive categories. Cause I don't, mm-hmm. where's, where does Lucas sit with those defensive stats? Shoot, man. That's a really good question. I think Lucas probably averaging, well, he's definitely over a steal a game, but he doesn't get very many blocks. I don't believe. Yeah. See, that's um, the thing. He's at one steal per game, like mm-hmm. 1.0 and then 0.2 blocks. So for fantasy purposes, those, I mean, that you can find one steals. And, and this is not to mm-hmm. take away anything from Luca. Um, mm-hmm. um, he, at one, at one steal and 0.2 blocks, that doesn't really put him anywhere close to elite, considering you can find better players there um, at both of those categories. And then his free throw started off the year in the 80s. And he's all the way down to 76%. So those are three categories 
out of a nine category. And then obviously he gets 4.2 turnovers. So that's four categories that he's essentially not helping you in. So in a nine category scenario, um, I don't think he's the top guy, but in a points Mm -hmm. league, something like that, counting stats. Yes. I mean, the counting stats are there for, for days. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I I went with someone that was just a little bit different than your top guys, just because I knew, I mean, I could obviously throw my fancy MVP as Anthony Davis out there, but I mean, yeah, he's sitting at number one overall basketball monster and he's probably sitting number one overall on, on Yahoo. So that's probably the obvious MVP. Um, but I, I wanted to give Luca a shout out as my personal MVP, not necessarily the person that's been the best overall. So that's kind of, I wanted to just clarify that. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. James Harden is number two on basketball monster, but I'd take him over Anthony Davis just based on injury. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. he's played more games than him up to this date. He normally plays more games than him on a year to year consistent basis and more than likely will probably play more games from here on out just based purely on previous history yeah so for sure uh who's your most improved player this year in fantasy uh you know what it it, i i would honestly have to go with like luca but hassan whiteside has been he improved so much on his free throws and he's averaging yeah i mean this guy it's just he's averaging 16 14 and leading the league in blocks at three all while shooting 60 percent from the field and he upped his free throws by at least like 20 percent all the way up to 74 so improvements there um really jump him up to first round in basketball monster and i thought that just that's just crazy yeah i think that's an excellent most improved player i kind of mine split between brandon ingram and fred van fleet uh i think hassan whiteside for sure has made some huge progress in fantasy land um i went with brandon ingram and fred van fleet just because of how much they've skyrocketed this year as far as in comparison to last year. I think basketball monster, Brandon Egram sitting late second round and same with Fred Van Fleet is sitting late second round. Yeah. So I think those guys have just had such huge breakout years. Yeah. So that Brandon was at 23 and Fred Van Fleet's at 22. Um, I actually went back and looked at their, I have a list of five here cause it's so hard just to nail down one, two or three. So, um, I actually had Brandon Ingram at two and Fred Van Fleet at four. Um, and in between, I had Rashawn Holmes at three. But Damn, I can, yep. Yeah, and I can – so let me just go ahead and read you off uh, where they got drafted uh, according to Yahoo. This is all according to Yahoo. Um, so Hassan Whiteside is seventh on Basketball Monster, but he got drafted 76th on average um, in on Yahoo. Uh, Brandon Ingram is 23rd, but he on average he got drafted at 100, so 77 spots higher. Um, Rashawn Holmes is at 27th on a per game basis and got drafted at 117. So that's I mean that's what 80 90 90 per, 90 jumps 90 spots he jumped he jumped 90 spots and then. Number four, like I said, it was Fred Van Fleet. And that was uh, he was at eighty nine, 
or no, 88. And he got drafted, or he's at 22nd. And uh, the ADP for my, the fifth one is Davis Bertans at 136 is what he was averaging um, during the ADP. And 40, he's at 47 on a per game basis this year. Yeah, damn. So that's five most improved players on, on fantasy. So that's five huge breakout candidates. I like it. That's pretty yeah. badass. Could you imagine drafting all? Because, I mean, in you could technically have drafted every one of those guys. Like Easy, like, yeah. Yeah, imagine drafting all five. Yeah, you get two of them in a draft, and you probably are sitting uh, at the top of your league. <laughs> that's so crazy man uh, so <laughs> that's in, nuts in our league luckily for us every single one every single one of those five guys went to a different team thank goodness yeah crazy i didn't get any of those dudes yeah i know neither it's wild cayman cayman has a knack for always getting one yeah bertans he got bertans yeah this year. that son of a bitch Uh, defensive defensive players of the year in fantasy i have uh, a split between well actually my number one is andre drummond my number two is jonathan isaac who went down with an injury and is still going to be out for probably the remainder of the fantasy season i went with drummond over jonathan isaac because of drummond's lethal steal and block rate 2.1 steals 1.8 blocks and i'm sure that jonathan isaacs is higher than that Um, but i put drummond as my overall fantasy defensive player of the year. Yeah, easy. That was my number one too. And I think Jonathan Isaacs would have been, so if you add their, so their stocks, if you add them combined, Jonathan Isaac is just a hair short. But I think if you add rebounds, obviously as a defensive, and when you do defensive player of the year, like not for fantasy, but for, you know, the real, the NBA, um, they mm-hmm. consider, they'll, they'll take into consideration defensive rebounds and so that's why i have so if jonathan isaac hadn't gotten hurt and kept going at the same pace that he is at now or that he was before he went down it would have been ad number one from or andre drummond number one for me and then jonathan isaac number two with ad at number three and um ben simmons coming in at an honorable mention he's actually uh simmons is actually doing better than what i thought on the year yeah, dude, Simmons is having a hell of a year. I think he's producing top 20 in fantasy. And, geez, he's taking a big step forward. So, man, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Simmons is a very good person to add into that mix. But um, I thought that Jonathan Isaac has been so much better than I predict him to be. He was drafted, what, maybe the fifth round in our league. And I was really skeptical to take him at that point. And the reason why is because you draft someone in the fifth round and they end up flopping for you, dude, you're going to find yourself on the second half of the standings in, in the league. So it's really risky, but obviously you land someone like Jonathan Isaac. If he doesn't go down, the guy's putting up borderline first round value. So Jonathan Isaac, I, I wish he'd never would have got hurt, man. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I had him for the end of last year, which is right when he started piecing it together. And then all the reports said that he had put on so much muscle, um, which also meant he put on weight, which is a little on the scarier side considering he's injury prone. But if he can ever figure a way to, to stay on that court 
getting him. And I think mm-hmm. next year he'll probably go in that same realm somewhere in the fourth to fifth round because of that injury scare. But if he ever can stay on the court for, you know, that 70 to 75 games, he's going to be a killer. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to throw off some second-half breakout candidates, and then you're going to finish it up with some rookie-sophomore breakouts this year. So my second-half breakouts, keep an eye on. I just selected five. Um, I went with – I'm going to name them in this order. I went with Mitch Robinson at one. I think he's going to have an outstanding second half. I'm, I'm hopeful for him. I put Christian Wood at two. I think Christian Wood, if he starts with Blake Griffin being out the rest of the year, Christian Wood could maybe put out mid-round value. I went with Cam Reddish at three, Marvin Bagley at four, and I went with um, Rui Hachimura at five. So um, coming in right quick at six, I had uh, DeAndre Hunter and Jaron Jackson Jr., but Triple J is someone who's already kind of breaking out. Yeah, I feel like he's already probably what I don't he's probably like third round already if not close, yeah. right? Yeah. Um no, yeah. So a lot of those guys um so let me uh would you do can you go over your first one and just your first one? Yeah, uh, Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, so I've I I've been debating on trying to try and trade for him if he would have gone to a different owner in our league, I would have totally totally gone um like if he would have been on a different team i probably would have tried a little harder i know that um the guy in our league it holds on to him pretty tight and so if you're listening and you're trying to get someone on the low end and you need a center that's gonna potentially win you blocks um and rebounds and field goal without hurting your free throw is i think an excellent breakout candidate somebody something that you wouldn't have to give up very much for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, those were my kind of second half players. To keep an eye on. Okay. You got any rookie sophomore news? Yeah. So just the top rookies so far this year in my order is uh, their top two are on the same team and it's for fantasy purposes. It's been John Morant and Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark is was a steal to for whoever landed him in whatever league you are playing in. Um, number three was PJ Washington, who pretty much was either a last pick or a waiver wire pickup. Um, and he's been excellent. Uh, and then four, I just got to throw in Zion and he might actually be considered on the list that you just named. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and then for yeah. sophomores, yeah, for sophomores, I have Luka Doncic, uh, Trey Young, and DeAndre Ayton, and Jaron Jackson Jr. in that order uh, for this year's top sophomores. Yeah, dude, those are all studs. Is Kendrick Nunn is he a rookie? I don't. I I, I don't know. I that's a good question. Let me see if I can. Find out. I'm pretty sure he is. I I'm pretty sure that he was not drafted, right? Wasn't he a walk on, or am I tripping? I'm probably tripping, huh? Whose team is he on in our league? Oh, he's not started from the bottoms, huh? Yeah, no, I think actually, he started. You're actually right. None, I think, is a rookie this year yeah. because it, on Basketball Monster they only have stats for this 
so they have they always have the previous seasons. So had he played yeah. last season, he would have been um, they would have had uh, his ranking from last year. But they only have NBA preseason nineteen or twenty nineteen twenty twenty, and yeah, yeah. So he's so, a, yeah, Kendrick runs. Um, he's a he's a rookie and he's undrafted. That's pretty crazy. I put him up there as uh, maybe kind of running close to PJ Washington as for a top three. Yeah, no, I think I'd put him right in front of P.J. Washington, so maybe bump down P.J. Washington to four. Uh, I mean, I had completely mm-hmm. forgotten about him. I, To be honest, to make this list, I just went to the draft um, and just looked, went through all 60 players that got drafted. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> that's hella funny. Nice, dude. All right, cool. So those are kind of our fantasy awards for the first half of the season. Let's dive right into injuries this year, uh, this year, this week. There's not any huge news. The biggest news that we left off with last week was we didn't get to talk about Lori Mark- Markinen, uh out four to six weeks with a pelvis injury, right? Didn't he have some type of a stress fracture at his pelvis? Yes, that's exactly. Yeah, it said hip, uh, right hip stress reaction. Yeah, damn, dude, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's not really great timing considering that they have played, like like we've mentioned in previous podcasts, they have a really good schedule right now. Like this is a good chunk of their schedule. And so he's missing all of that. And more than likely, it's going to be right around playoff, uh, fantasy playoffs when he starts coming back. Yeah, and and they just got done with four four week games in a row. In the next two weeks, they go two games in one game, and then rolling into the fantasy playoffs, they have an outstanding schedule going forward. So if you can maybe grab Lori right before he comes back for the playoff time, maybe that's going to be a time where Lori's looking to kind of come back in. But they have kind of a rough schedule in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, most I, I would assume most people stuck him in their IR. So um, yeah, mm-hmm. I just got, you just got to hold it out. Um, it's if you don't if you don't have to drop him, then you don't. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a tough blow. I mean, to to any team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got Thad Young kind of holding down the four spot. They're really thin because they, you got Cornette starting at center, who probably should still be owned. And Wendell Carter Jr. doesn't look like he's He's back yet. He's still kind of week to week at this point. Yeah, and then Gafford is still out. So, I mean, they're they're really thin. Mm-hmm. Super thin. Nice. What other injuries you got? Anything new this week coming down? Yeah, I mean, this one happened last night, and Gasol re-injured his hammy that he had been out for previously. So that's not great news. Um, and he had been playing well. In that same game, OG Ananobi was hurt, and then the next day, or so today, even though they didn't they didn't play today, but they released a injury report. He was not on the injury report, which is good news. So, um, even though he left um, and never came back, yeah, actually, really good news for OG because I have him on my team, and uh, I saw I got two notifications last night. I was like, "Damn, okay, Gasol went down with a hamstring injury. That's terrible because it's same hamstring, so probably got to cut ties with him." However, the report says it's just hamstring tightness. So maybe Gasol only misses a game or two and comes back quick. But OG wasn't even on the official injury report, so OG looks like he's he dodged a bullet there. Yeah, so that's that's good. Um, any w- there's got to be a couple more injuries. You got a couple? Yeah. Um, 
Jason Tatum is looks looks like he might be coming back. I think he's probable for tomorrow or questionable, uh, but he's been out for three games, so he looks like he's on the verge of coming back. Lamarcus Aldridge, Aldridge has been out for two games with a right thumb injury. There's not really been any updates on Lamarcus, so hopefully he's not you know out for a long period of time. He should probably be back within a couple of games. He he's actually had thumb injuries in the past, so hopefully it's nothing big. Yeah. Um, uh, so, did you see that uh, Jacob? Uh, uh, what's his? How do you say his name? Poitel. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Jacob Poitel. Um, yeah, Poitel. He filled in very nicely for him and got into the thirty minutes last night. Um, so, if this turns out to be anything where it's you know extends into weeks, he's a good grab. Yeah. Yeah. Jacob Poetel, that's a Diesel's guy right there. Uh, Marvin Bagley still out with a left foot injury. Uh, he came back for a short period of time, and then he had to get hit the sidelines again. And looks like Nemenja's been holding down that spot, but hopefully Bagley's back soon because I think that he's got a lot to prove in his sophomore season. Because like the other guys you named, Luca Trey, Aiton, and Triple J, they it is sophomore season for Bagley, right? Yes. Isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's been someone that we just haven't seen fully break out yet. So I feel like that has to come at some point because he's got all the skills needed to be a really, really damn good fantasy player. So I'm hopeful that Bagley has a big second half and he gets healthy. Yeah. And this might not matter for um, like to, to the coaching staff, but Road World did write a blurb saying that, so Bagley's actually only played and this is, I'm literally just going off the top of my head, 13 games this season total. And out of those 13 games, they've only won one or two. So they've only won one or two games that he's actually played in. And he hasn't even played in that many. So, I, I mean, I don't think that's going to deter them from playing him. But it does seem that, I mean, I would have to guess that their their record is probably better without him in the lineup. Um, so not to like rain on anybody's parade that has Bagley, but there is that, you know, just take, I mean, just wanted to put that out there. <clears throat> I didn't even know that. Yeah. Shout out to Pippen for the stats. That'll baby. Yeah. Uh, it, so hmm, that's interesting news about Bagley. Uh, other news, uh, Kendrick Nunn is out with a left Achilles soreness. He's been out for three games. We talked about him having a breakout year as a rookie this year, so hopefully he gets back because he's been their starting point guard this year. Nunn's quietly done extremely well. Um, other news out of Denver, Millsap, and Jamal Murray are still out kind of indefinitely. I don't think there's been any updates on those guys, and it doesn't look like either of them are close to a return. Yeah, man, here. Okay, so it's. I think Monte Morris has been somewhat of a disappointment when it comes to replacing – um, when it comes to replacing Jamal Murray, even to the point where I think Barton has started over him, they just moved him over. But if you look, and I'm not toot my own horn here, but do you? Th- if you look at uh, Jeremy Grant's game log, I think he's literally going to make a case to try and stay in the starting lineup. I think. Uh, like you were talking about Millsap, he wasn't really doing that great. I think he was, and I think I replied, you asked me what I thought, you know, how his season had been going. 
And I said that he'd been efficient. Um, so according to the standings, he stayed up high. But if you look at Jeremy Grant's game last night, he had six threes, two steals, one block, 21 points. The game before that, he had 25 points, three threes. And he went three for three from the field on for three-pointers, six for six from the line that same game. Uh, 14 points, one steal, one block. The game after that is 17 points, three steals, two blocks. I think he's playing better than mm-hmm. than Millsap. What do you think? Yeah, do you think- I, said it, I said it in previous podcasts. I said, I think that Millsap's father time is catching up to him because even when I'd watch game, games live, I'm like, dude, Millsap this looks like he's a step slower than everyone else on the court. Jeremy Grant is younger. He's more versatile. He's more explosive. I think he's a, at this point in Millsap's career probably a better fit on the floor because he can do a little bit more and he can spread the court a little bit better than Millsap. I know Millsap can knock down the three, but he just hasn't shown that consistency this year. And I was just waiting for Jeremy Grant to get hot because I had him on my team for a good stretch and it just he wasn't getting hot and I had a feeling it was probably coming. And it's fully here. He's had five, six games in a row where he's put up killer stat lines. So I think you're right. I think Jeremy Grant is making a case to be the starting power forward in Denver for the rest of the season, barring that Michael Porter Jr. doesn't swoop it up. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, we don't really know. And maybe uh, Mike Malone has some sort of loyalty to Paul Millsap, but at this point he's just strictly, if, if he were to just get the minutes, that a normal starting power forward gets compared to and, and have both of them get that same amount of minutes. I think Grant will outplay him, but um, we'll just have yeah, to see. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that Grant is a better player than Millsap right now. So that if I was Mike Malone, if I was coach Malone, that's something I'd consider is keeping Grant in the starting lineup. So if you have Millsap on your team out there for fantasy players, uh, you probably stick him in the IR spot for a while, but he ha- wasn't doing absolutely amazing in the first place. So shout out to the re-up click. He should probably cut ties with Paul Millsap. Yeah. I, who knows what's going to happen when he comes back. It's too hard to tell, but yeah, I mean, I cut him in, he was in one of my IR spots and someone else got hurt and I dropped him off my IR. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd, I'd probably do the same. Uh, the last couple things I have here, just to wrap up injuries, I have um, Otto Porter Jr. still not running, so that guy probably is not going to come back this year. We'll see, but it's not looking great. Uh, PG-13 is back tomorrow. I think he's probable, so Diesel, good news for the Diesel after he's had some rough luck recently. PG is back tomorrow. And then um, Malcolm Brogdon came back tonight and had a super good line, 15, 8, 9, 3 steals, so... Welcome back, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, you hit pretty much everything other, like when it comes to injuries. I think the only thing that I have on here is CJ McCollum and NS Canner. So CJ came back. Um, NS Canner, I think, has been ruled out um, for a little bit. Um, but that's about, oh, and Gary Harris came back as well. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Victor Oladipo made his debut tonight. Yeah, after an entire year. Yeah, so we got the big old Vic back in the game, dude. I'm glad Victor Depot's back. That's legit. Yeah, I saw that he hit a game tying three years to send it into overtime. Um, so he he started off his first game mm-hmm. this year pretty good. 
Yeah, and he what did he get only? He only got 20 minutes, so he's, I think he's going to be capped to 20 minutes for a while. Uh, but we'll see what happens to the minutes in their rotation. I know Miles Turner didn't play due to illness tonight, so they had a, a different rotation than normal. Yeah, um, yeah. So that'd be something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, the only other two pieces of – do you have any other news you want to bring up? or No, no, that's it. Okay, I have two pieces of news. Um, LeBron passed Kobe for third on the all-time scoring list. Uh, sadly, I think it was the night before. Um, so I think it's either Saturday or Friday. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just another piece of news there. Uh, LeBron is you know, going to probably end up somewhere in first or second. Um, and then uh, we talked – did we talk about the Willie Colleystein trade to the Mavericks? Uh, no, I don't think we did because that happened after the podcast. Okay, yeah. So then that trade there. Yeah. What do you think about that trade? I, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Um. So we got a first look at. So he fought, he did actually play. He's played one game. Um. I do think he'll probably soak up all the minutes that Powell was getting to begin, or you know, to at that point of the injury. And I think that's enough to hold value. Um. And so you just got to give him a little time to get adjusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that he'll probably eventually slide into more minutes, but I I don't know if Willie Colley Stein's someone that you need to hold on to in fantasy right now. Maybe you can play it out, but I think it might be a little while before he's actually producing value. That's still pretty tricky to tell. I don't know. I don't really have a recommendation on that. You could probably sit on Willie for a little bit, but I probably only give him a couple games and then I'd drop ship if he's not doing what I need him to do. Um, as far as Golden State, uh, they have a weird rotation now because Marquise Chris is playing. He played 30 minutes last night, and he's had two pretty decent games in a row. And then that Eric Pascal and Omari Spellman, man, their minutes dropped big time, 11 and 18. So like I said earlier in other podcasts, I really don't want very many people on the Warriors. Yeah, I I had one warrior. So I think we're obviously going to transition here to the waiver wire pickups, and I had one warrior out of my top ten in there, and he was at the bottom half of that top ten. Um, so yeah, I I wouldn't want to be. Uh, I, it's just too hard to tell the rotation on what's going on there. So. Hmm. I agree with you. All right. Well, we got. Uh, roughly about 20 minutes left in this podcast. So let's finish off these last 20 minutes just talking full waiver wire. We probably won't do a, a big game recap tonight since we did a little bit of tribute to Kobe and t- did some fantasy awards. So let's let's talk 20 minutes about waiver wire. Uh, let's talk about players that you should be targeting and let's, let's let name at least 10 players coming off your end, coming off my end that you feel like uh, are, are players that you're going to want to be grabbing off the waiver wire. So start it off, Pippin. Give me your top three this week that interests you. Okay, so my top three, and then I'll just name them right off the bat, and then I'll talk a little about them right after, and then I'll have you, you know, do your three. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. um, so my mm-hmm. top my my top three is a uh, Daniel Thice, um, Nerlens Noel, and. Uh, where's my third? Uh, Mikel Bridges is my number three. Uh, my number one, uh, we were talking about Daniel finally eventually getting playing time. So he was at 19 minutes the day that we did the podcast last Thursday. 
And the three following games, he got to 30 minutes, all three games. So I don't know if this is something that's going to keep happening or if it's because Cantor has been out or if it's something when Robert Williams comes back that he gets dinged. But he was already putting up enough value with 20 minutes around a low 20s that if he's going to be in the low 30s, he's going to kill. He's at in the past two weeks uh, on average, he's putting up third round value um, at number two. Uh, I think I can just go ahead and skip him. Norlis Noel, there's nothing new here. He's all the way up to 46% owned. Um, if he's available, go get him. Uh, I checked the game that because they're playing, I think, as we speak. He had two steals and a block, and, uh, and the game's not even over. So that's just normal routine for him. And at number three, Mikkel Bridges is now in the starting lineup. And I don't know if they move Kelly Oubre to the four and they put in Mikel Bridges at the three. But when he is getting, when he's starting and getting consistent minutes, like we mentioned last podcast, he's a guy you want on your list or on your team. I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I actually have a similar top three. Um, I, I'm going to give you my top four because two players you named are in my top four. My number one's Mikhail Bridges. I'll explain why. My number two is Daniel Theis. My number three is Cam Reddish. And my number four is Eric Gordon. But I don't know where Eric Gordon is as far as percentage owned. Is he below 50 or greater than 50? No, he's he's over 50, especially after is he? that 50 after point. After that 50 explode. point game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so let's go with Cam, Theis, and, and Mikhail Bridges. I, I follow piggyback right off of what you said. Um, Mikael Bridges, we talked about his upside with his efficiency from the field, his knack for defensive statistics as well, you know, particularly steals. As he moved into the starting four in Phoenix, they moved Dario Sarch to the bench and they're starting Kelly Oubre at three, Mikael Bridges at four, DeAndre Ayton at five. If this rotation sticks and Mikael Bridges is getting greater than 30 minutes, I think that he could have a really big second half of the season. So that's why I put him as a number one waiver. Uh, Daniel Theis, just like you said, you said everything that I was basically going to talk about, but like that's four games in a row of getting big minutes. And that's four games in a row of putting up like mid-round to greater than mid-round value. So their center rotation's always been a little messy. Maybe that's because Ennis Canner is in and out of the lineup right now. So maybe when Ennis Canner comes back, Daniel Theis's usage rate drops and his minutes drop a little bit. But for now, with the minutes that are happening in Boston, Daniel Theis looks like a must-own player. And then my third, Cam Reddish. The reason why I have him so high on this list, even though he's not like a must-run to the waiver wire and grab, but... He's had three or four games in a row where he's been productive and his stats have looked somewhere similar to like averaging 20 points per game off the bench. And uh, I think that Cam Reddish is only going to continue getting better as the season goes on. He's had a couple 20 point games in the last, I don't know, three or four games. So I'm hopeful that Cam Reddish continues to build off what he's done. But if he's getting 30 minutes a night going forward, he's someone that I think has a big second half. But he's going to be a kind of a little bit of a roller coaster at times. Yeah, um, I have him not as high as you, but I do want to say that when they did the rookie poll, uh, so it's just other rookies 
um, polling on see who they think is going to win rookie of the year or who's going to be like a superstar. I can't remember what the actual question was, but all the rookies had Cam Reddish as the top. Like um, he was the guy that got the most votes. And on top of that, he prior to the season starting at Duke, he was like the number one high school prospect and I think he's finally going to be able to put all that together. So it's a great guy to take a chance on. Um, going on to uh, number four, five, and six for me, and then and then I'll let you do your four, five, six. Uh, my number four is Chris Dunn. Um, I don't. He's just really put together a good past two weeks. He should have been owned already with the whole auto porter news. And there's no need to, you know, keep hammering away at that. Uh, but number five. I think he's criminal, criminally under-owned at 16% um, is Dante DeVincenzo. He also has, um, I believe, a decent playoff schedule. And they, if these guys aren't going to chase that 73-win um, record that the Golden State uh, Warriors set a couple of years back, uh, back when Cleveland beat them in the finals, they... He's gonna get, I think, playing time in the low 30s. So you might you want to have him on your team when that happens because it'll be our playoffs or most people's playoffs. So um, at, at number six is uh, Shabazz Napier. He's at 30 percent, and he's a guy that's been averaging eight assists over the past two weeks. Um, and there's not much more to say there. If a guy is gonna get you eight assists. Um, on average, it, it's going to be at the top half or top 10 in the league. So um, those are my t- uh, four, five, and six. Nice, nice. I like it. Who do you like better between Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter as the season goes forward? I think they're pretty even, but I want to say Cam uh, Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. It's just, he seems to have a more fantasy-friendly game as of right now until – Hunter puts together his defensive stats. What about yourself? Yeah, I think that you're right. I think that Cam Reddish is a little bit more attractive from a fantasy percent perspective because of, you know, his explosive ability to fill up the box score in different ways. Uh, I, it's crazy because I like DeAndre Hunter as a basketball player better than Cam Reddish not necessarily fantasy wise. Like I'd rather have DeAndre Hunter on my team, I think, than Cam Reddish. But from a fantasy perspective, I think you're right. I think Cam Reddish is probably the more attracting player. But I'm just wanting and waiting for DeAndre Hunter to take a step forward because I want to see him do better, particularly being the starting power forward in Atlanta. But yeah. it's not happening yet. Yeah, and, and and so there are players that essentially like where they're not getting stats, but they're still locking players down, you know? So, mm-hmm. so maybe he's like, maybe he's not giving up that many points to the opposing, whatever position he's playing or whoever he seems, whoever he ends up guarding that seat that day during that game. But it just, he just doesn't get the blocks or the steals. So it's not showing up on our end. So maybe he's just, even he might even be better in real life today than Cam Reddish, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's just that. Yeah. In fantasy, you need to see that carry over to actually putting statistics on the board. Yeah. So, um, at five, six and seven, 
I have uh, I have Daniel House at five. And the reason I put Daniel House back on this list is because I know he's not greater than 50% owned. He's had a couple games that he's strung together again. Um, and he's not quite back to the consistent production that he was early in the season when he was playing well. The Rockets don't have a full roster. Or they, they look like they're having a close to a full roster at this point. So when their roster is really full and they're playing their standard lineup, there's not enough minutes to go around for Daniel House to be incredibly productive. But because they've been in and out of a couple of players, he's had a couple of good games in a row. So if he gets back to consistency, I think that he's someone that needs to be owned. But um, I have him at five. At six, I have Troy Brown Jr. And he's the rookie down out of Oregon that's playing for the Wizards. And Troy Brown is a guy that can fill it up in scoring. So I think that he's someone to definitely keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks because the Wizards have more incentive as the year goes on to play young guys and Rui and Troy are probably going to get a lot of minutes down the stretch. At number seven, I have Chris Boucher. Is that how you pronounce it? Chris Boucher for the Raptors. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I threw him back on this list and I put him over Glenn Robinson, the third, not knowing what Marcus status was going to be. If Marcus misses multiple weeks, Again, this guy has shown production in limited minutes. So if he has 20 to 25 minutes a night, he could get you a double-double in a couple blocks. So we'll see if that becomes a reality. But hello, Serge Ibaka minutes with Marcus all going down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what number was that for you? Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I just rattled off five, six, and seven. Okay, that was so. That was your seventh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the the house is playing right now, and he's at twenty one minutes with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter, um, and he's got two threes and six points and one block. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is just because I needed him to put up the stats that you were talking about with everybody back on the roster, considering that Westbrook had a rest day and Harden was out with a thigh and. Clint Capella was also out and it doesn't look like he has put up anywhere close to those numbers that he did before. So I, I have him a little lower. Um, but, um, but if, I mean, once he gets going it, it, and he gets back in that groove of the first at the beginning of the season, if he ever gets back in that groove, he's absolutely 100% someone that needs to be owned. Um, I was watching the game and Ben McLemore, it was also just he I think he had four threes in the first half. So um then at seven I actually have Alfred Payton. I, I'm not an Alfred Payton fan, man, and I like I hate guys that just destroy my field goal percentage or or free throw percentage, but it looks like he won the starting point guard. Um, position there and today he played and he had he was seven for 14 from the field and he's really not getting to the free throw line he got there today um and was one for two he ended up with 15 points seven rebounds 11 assists two steals and just and two turnovers uh and the rest of the past week he's been like two or three total rebounds or assists combined away from a triple-double. So he's almost triple-doubling every time. So I have him at seven. Um, at eight, I have uh, 
Duncan Robinson, there's no need to talk about him. And then, like you mentioned, uh, Glenn Robinson already. Uh, and Glenn Robinson's more of just somebody that you need scoring in threes. Um, and he might get you a steal here and there. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. Yeah, I, I, I actually do really like Duncan Robinson. Um, he's someone that is continuing to pop up on waiver wires. And Duncan Robinson, man, is the starting shooting guard in Miami. And the guy is so wet from three-point line. He's going to get you maybe four threes a game or close to it. And so Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a specialist, that is your dude. But the bad thing is that there's going to be some nights where maybe he only gets 20 minutes just because they have such a deep rotation. And if he's not really effective in those 20 minutes from three-point line, he's going to put up a dud. Uh, but that that's going to be a three-point specialist. How about Trevor Ariza, dude? He's been playing excellent for the Blazers. He's having he's a number really 11. good game. Yeah, he's having a <laughs> he, really good game tonight. Yeah, man. Uh, and three, you, have, you have a couple of these guys. Yeah, you have Alfred Payton and Ariza on your team. So those guys are pulling it together for you. Yeah, they're racking up the stats. Ariza's 9 for 14 from the field, three threes, 21 points, four rebounds, and two steals, zero turnovers. So, oh. yeah, man. I, I knew it. I knew. I knew he was going to kill. I picked him up right away after the trade. Yeah, and you were right, man. You nailed it. Um, we also talked about in the last podcast um, – what what Derek White's been doing recently? He he only played twenty two minutes tonight. Ten points, two rebounds, two assists, and De, and uh, Dejounte Murray actually had a big game. Sixteen points, three rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block. And he's starting to hit three pointers every now and then. So that's um, ah, tough with Derek White, man. Yeah. So he was at fifty one percent earlier today, and then he dropped to fifty today or within the same day. So people are. I think in fantasy are, you know, they're kind of leaning one way or the other. And that's pretty much the way to describe him. He's, you you never really know what you're going to get. And it partly has to do with the rotation there. Yeah. Speaking of Nerland's Noel tonight, he had four steals and a block in 20 minutes, man. That's so killer. How he's not over 50 is beyond me, man. That blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. See, I love Nerlens so, Noel. Dude. He, he can do that I've, literally I've had him every game. Since rookie year, yeah. Every year he does. Every game he does shit like that. Absolute stud. Yeah, I'm so. also up up against Dylan Brooks right now, dude. Dylan Brooks has had so many games in a row of dropping 20 points. That guy's a damn good scorer. What do you think of Dylan Brooks this year? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think he's a three and um and uh points guy with a dash of uh dash of steals and there's so many of those guys but he for sure is like at the top uh, of those uh, guys like um who did i mention uh, oh yeah uh, glenn robinson is somebody like that even um uh, landry shamit is another guy that is been pretty hot with uh paul george being out but he's coming back um, Duncan Robinson. So all those guys are just like threes and, and point mm-hmm. specialists. But Brooks is what definitely you, at the top. Yeah, yeah. What do you do with someone like Karis LeVert and Mike Conley right now? Are those guys you hang on to and you keep rolling the dice and just let them put up stinker after stinker? <laughs> or do you, do you hold on to them for a while? I don't know. I mean, oh, so Sfai Mike Luke. 
and is another one of those guys that has been hot. He had a terrible game oh, today. Yeah. But like all these guys that we mentioned, like Duncan Robinson, Sfai Mikhailuk, um uh mm-hmm. yeah glenn robinson all those guys i i don't wouldn't you, would you rather have all those guys over mike conley and at this point Car- uh lavert he hasn't really even prior to the injury he wasn't putting up to what he normally should be doing i don't know man Cars lavert that's really tough him and conley are really tough calls because we know that both of them have so much potential. Uh, it's really comes down to where you're at in the standings. And if you don't have room to play around and you need to make moves and you need to win, I don't know if you can hang on to both those guys as long as you'd like. I think that if they continue putting up duds here and there, and there's a hot free agent who's going to be consistent. You just have to cut ties. I think you do. I mean, that, that that's at least what my gut tells me. Yeah. Yeah. I would, if you're not going to make the playoffs, he'd be gone. At least for me, like you have the luxury mm-hmm. of holding on to him. I think if, and I, we need to do when you get closer to the playoffs, like fantasy playoffs, we'll do us. We'll go over the fantasy playoff schedule uh, maybe before the trade, we need to figure out when the trading deadline is for most fantasy basketball. And the week before that podcast, put up the best fantasy um, playoff schedules so you can maybe try and trade for somebody that is going to have a good playoff schedule. And where I'm going with this is that the Jazz, I believe, just going off the top of my head, have the best playoff schedule. So holding on to. Holding up to Mike Conley wouldn't be a terrible idea if you can. But if you can't, if you're on the bottom half of that, like not making the playoffs, then yeah, I would cut. Yeah, you're right. In fact, the Jazz have the best fantasy playoffs. Uh, Week 20, they play four games. Week 21, they play four games. Week 22, they play four games. Week 23, they play three. And then the championship round, they play four. So that is a killer schedule. So if Mike Conley can pull it together by that time, that would be a luxury. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but at this at this point, before the trading deadline closes, you want to go. If Rudy Gobert, if any of these guys are on oh, yeah. a, a non-playoff team, so if you can get Rudy Gobert, or if you can get Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. Um, even Joe Ingles potentially. I don't know how he's been doing now that Mike Conley's been back. Um, I. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've been beating myself up over everything I said about him. So I kind of don't go look at him. And then, (laughs) um, yeah. And then obviously, um, uh, bogey. So all those guys, yeah, if they're not on a playoff team in your league, you can maybe talk them into it. And if they don't know that there's, you know, that they have a great playoff schedule, you might even be able to get them for, you know, do it do a, include bogey in a two for one where you give up a guy that is maybe a top, you know, first, second round value um, Mm -hmm. that has a bad playoff schedule and then get the guy that has the good playoff schedule with another guy that has a decent playoff schedule and you'd really be better off that way. Yeah. I think that uh, we lost Pippen right there. So we're going to actually end the scene because we're right at, 60 minutes so um that's gonna conclude 
the episode 13. Thanks everyone for sticking with us. Adios. And we'll see you guys next week.